Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. And if we will just write ourselves into this beautiful story, oh, what God can do. Oh, what God can do. And so, I do just want to mention briefly a couple highlights from last week since it just worked out that I got to speak two weeks in a row. The highlights of what we talked about in the Word kingdom principle that we looked at. One of them was playing the role, right? We went through the hall of faith a little bit. We spoke of faith. We looked at the unjust or the unworthy servant. And, and even when you don't feel like it, it's still our duty to serve God. It's still our duty, first and foremost, to serve him. And there's power in that. Uh, I mentioned, well, when, when we leave every service, um, whether we have separate cars here or not, Miranda and I are on the phone right away and we're debriefing. We're going over the service, the whole service from start to finish and every, every ride home goes so fast because before we know it, that, that 35, 40 minutes is done and we're still talking about church. Can't get enough of it. But, you know, one of the things Miranda immediately mentioned is you didn't point it out well enough, Robin. It, w- it was true that the whole thing was focused when we, when we started in, in uh, what was it, Luke chapter 17, I believe, that it started with forgiveness for some strange reason, the power of that forgiveness and increasing our faith right in the middle, and it finished with submission. And... and I don't have time to go back over it, but oh, is there power in that? Forgiveness. And, and just remember, everything about our relationship with God starts with forgiveness. It starts with us at an altar on our knees, perhaps pleading with God, pleading his blood. Oh, God, forgive me for what I am. For what I've done. And so there's power in that forgiveness and increasing that faith and it. submission. Staying submitted is powerful. And I mentioned it before, I'll mention it again. It does no good to resist. We hear it quoted half so many times. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. No, he will not. You got to hit the first part first. Submit yourself, therefore, unto the Lord. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So the power is in submission. Oh my. The power is in submission. The Bible says no man can serve two masters. We may think we're just living life for ourselves. But at the end of the day, you can't, you're not one of the masters. There's the God of this world, which would be the devil, Lucifer. And then there's the King of kings and Lord of lords, the author and the finisher of our faith. And so it's through submission. One way or another, we're submitting to something. One way or another, we're resisting something. So we can resist uh, the principle of God by not submitting to the principles of God. And that unworthy servant would be a great example when, oh my, I've been working, sweating, toiling all day long 
I just need a little bit of something for myself. And the scripture said, no, now submit and serve God. And there's power in that submission. So we hit on that a little bit. Playing the role. We went through playing the role. The power of playing, in the, playing the role. Even when you don't feel like it, just do it. Even when you don't feel like it, play the role. And I'm not talking about faking it till you make it. I'm talking about a little bit of understanding and applying it in our lives. Talked a little bit about staying focused. Fulfill your role within his plan. At the end of it all, we've done what was expected of us, is what the scripture said. Servants, we have only done what was our duty. Increase our faith. We have done your command. We have done our duty. We played the role. So with that, if you would turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Because we went through chapter 11 and we'll read verse 1 and 2. Hmm. Thank you, Sister Matson, for being sensitive to the Holy Ghost in your song selection. We did not have time to collaborate. But here we go. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed or surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. All I'm going to say thus far is there's the need to keep moving. We cannot afford to be weighed down and to slow down and to grind to a halt. We don't got time for that. You don't have time for that. There's something to the statement that an idle mind or idle hands are the devil's workshop. We need to be busy. I say it all the time. I need to be busy. Keeps me out of trouble. You need to be busy. It will keep you out of trouble. Amen. Verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. God, who's eternal, not bound or limited by space or time, knows all things. He is the author and the finisher. He knows where you've been. He knows where you are. He knows where you're going. This is a beautiful thing. If we're going to trust something and submit to something, we can't go wrong submitting to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Who for the joy that was set before him, we sang about the joy when we were singing about trading things. For his joy, you know you can do that. It's real. It's tangible. It's within your grasp, regardless of where you may be right here, right now. Regardless of what the circumstance may be today or this week. Last week, it's within your reach. It is that real. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. I've often wondered and pondered of the joy that was set before Jesus as he's 
hanging there in agony on the cross. I'm realizing I had it one-third right. I knew that the joy that Jesus saw that was before him, the joy within the agony was what he was accomplishing in yours and mine opportunity to come to him. It was the joy of God knowing that he was going to redeem us, to sanctify us, to justify us, to cleanse us, to heal us, to deliver us. It hadn't even happened yet, but he's authoring it. In that moment, he was authoring, he was making a way. And some 2,000 years down the road, your choice was joy that he saw. Hmm. It's true. But it's not just that. And I will quote Brother Reverend Raymond Woodward. We have been saved. We are being saved. And we will be saved. And he's right. And so when I said I had it one-third right, what Jesus is seeing on the cross is the opportunity for you to be saved. Also the opportunity, is everyone still breathing in here? And it's not because you're quiet. <laughs> but if you're still breathing, you still have opportunity. If you're still alive, you could still be snatched away. Mm-hmm. It could happen. You could become distracted subtly. Mm-hmm. And so the joy that Jesus was seeing that was before him was also the opportunity for you to stay saved and for me to stay saved. And if we continue down this road, nothing can separate. Nothing can separate us from that love. But there is one thing, and that's called free will, choice. It's true. God won't make you stay. He'll let me walk away. He won't like it. But nothing can tear you away. And so the joy that was before him was you being saved, staying saved, and walking through those pearly gates, having made it in Jesus' name. Hmm. The joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Despising that shame. And I can't help but what Revelations, I believe it's chapter 12, where we see it, that the accuser of the brethren is before the throne day and night, accusing you and accusing me. Accusing the brethren, and that would include the cistern. <laughs> cistern. The sisters. And so when I think of shame, Jesus is on the throne in heaven. Lucifer is up there accusing you and accusing me. And thank God, thank God, and this is going way back to our roots. Thank God that what Jesus sees is bloodstained pages. Right? That's going back a ways. I think we won Carlinville singing that song. <laughs> Brother Hickey. Might have been Brother Kylie. 
myself. So, with that, if you will turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. I'm going to look at a kingdom principle again. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 14. Kind of starts out and just lays it right on the line. For the kingdom of heaven is. <laughs> this is a kingdom principle. It is. It's immutable. It's unchangeable. We can write ourselves into it if we apply this to our lives. It is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And to one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Now, before I go any further, let me actually look at the notes and give you my title. Subtle prerequisites. Subtle prerequisites. When you think of the word subtle, I, I think for most of us, it would take us right back to Genesis chapter 3, right? For the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. Subtle. It means exclusive, cunning, crafty, discerning, also, difficult to understand or perceive. Example, the subtle difference or subtle differences in sound. To the musician, <laughs> Brother Jeff or Sister Matson, you notice, they, they notice things that we don't notice. They, they can get done after a song service and be like, oh, Man, we botched that big time. And the rest of us are all like, that was awesome. Subtle differences. A subtle little thing. It's not a bad word in and of itself. A difficult to understand or perceive. It also means refined. Refined perception. Having or marked by keen insight. An ability to Penetrate deeply and thoroughly. Ah, this is what the word of God will do to us. It'll penetrate deeply and expose things. Mm -hmm. ah, especially if it can keep us submitted. It'll reveal some things that do not necessarily feel good. But God is trying to teach and show us and expose things. That will increase us and will continue to heal and continue to deliver. Amen. And we learn things in the process. If we're aware, when we think of the spiritual and the flow of the spirit, how God's moving. Once again, Paul spoke of it saying, we look through a glass darkly right now. We see in part but someday, one day, we will know as we're known. We will see as we're seen. God sees it oh so clearly. But we're just kind of left to play that role and feel it out and learn and perceive. We can learn of these things, become more familiar with them. That's why if you're not that comfortable praying, 
that's all right, just keep praying. You're going to become more familiar with it. You may be uncomfortable praying with someone or for someone. That's all right. Just keep stepping out and doing it in the right time, in the right place. You will become more familiar with it. It may feel uncomfortable, maybe even not natural, but that's all right. You're stepping beyond the natural. And you're starting to experience things in the spiritual. Talking about Subtle, subtle prerequisites. Another meaning is it, it, tied in with that word. Look it up in Webster's Dictionary. Highly skillful, expert, as a huh, subtle craftsman. That one rang home with me. Because the skills that I have with my hands, I obtained over 25 years in the electrical field. I'm good at what I do, am I not, chief? <laughs> Skilled, but it didn't come, didn't come easy. It came through trial and error, making mistakes, and that's all right. Because the end result, as you learn from them, is you become skilled, highly skillful, expert, obtained through trial and error, diligent, repetitive practice. It's okay to think of these things in the spiritual realm. Amen? I sure hope so. <laughs> you don't get to Lee Stone King status because God just, poof, there you go. Read some of his teachings. <laughs> you don't get to Paul status by, boom, he's got it. No. God had to blind him from some things and change some things. Tuck him away for three years in Arabia. Change some perceptions. Rip open some thoughts and issues of the heart. Heal him and deliver him. Strengthen him and encourage him in the process. And then three years later, come back, spend a little bit of time in Jerusalem. And boom, he's, starting, he's, he's ready to actually start ministering at this time. Although, he's got a little ways to go yet. I believe he spent a little more time in Antioch. Anyways, it's all right. Prerequisites. Webster's tell us, us that it's something that is necessary to an end or to the carrying out of a function. The prerequisite is something that is necessary. So with that, let's continue reading. We're reading of the talents. And what I'll point out to you thus far, we've heard this so many times, and I'm, everything that's ever been spoken of the talents that you've heard has been 100% accurate, okay? I'm just going to point out some things that I've noticed. One of them is, right off the bat, whose talents were they? So whose talents and abilities were they not? It has nothing to do huh, with what you bring to the table. It has everything to do with the opportunity God's given you. Oh, I just messed my notes up bad. <laughs> it doesn't 
Praise God. Thank you, Jesus, that it's not dependent upon me. If it's dependent upon me, all of this falls short. I'll probably mess up no fewer than 20 or 30 times in this message. We'll talk about it on the way home. Thank God it has nothing to do with that. It's the infallible word of God. And when you have an ear to hear, and I have an ear to hear, and we have a heart to receive, God's word is going to have and yield results. Period. It's truth. It's what God gives. It doesn't matter what you feel like. It doesn't matter what the situation looks like. It matters. God is what matters. And so it wasn't their talents or their ability. We could look at the numbers. I'll just look at the percentages. From my perspective, they were all given the same thing. And I see that in the result of what they did with it. Could not the one who got the two talents gotten five? And what, how many would have been the result at the end? It would have been ten. Right? Because the percentages is, are, there's one of them, the percentages, what God gave when what God gave was used when it was put to work, it doubled. So it doesn't matter. Just once again, thank you, Jesus. It doesn't matter what I bring. It only matters what I do with what you give me. Uh-huh. It doesn't even matter where you're at. It only matters what you do with what you've been given. Oh, we've been given a lot. And if we could set aside our feelings, our perceptions of what circumstances may look like and realize this is bigger than me and where I'm at, this is bigger than you and where you're at, if you can just go ahead and take what God has given you, God is going to increase it. Period. Okay. Where are we at? Sixteen, then he said, then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them another five talents. What I have to point out here is that he went. We see this in the commission. Go ye therefore, right? Go. I mentioned it. You have to keep moving. Don't stop. Keep moving. You may not feel like it. Keep moving. Keep moving forward. Keep using what God's given you. Don't let it sit stagnant. That oil is designed to flow through you. Amen. Okay. He went, traded with the same. He traded with what was given him. He traded what, with what was God's and made them another five. And, and likewise, he that had received two, he also gained two. The exact same scenario and situation. He went, he used what was given him, nothing more. He just did something with it. That's all. And who brought the increase? Because we are so familiar with the story, and I know we are. 
It, it wasn't the servant. It really wasn't. We'll continue reading on. And likewise, verse 18, but he that had received one talent, he went also, I will point that out, and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. I, I, my mind is weird. So I just think, well, how far did he go? And, and I would ask, does anyone have an idea or a thought, an opinion even, how far the servant went? And I would say, let me hit my notes so I get this right. He went just far enough to be out of sight and out of mind. It wouldn't have done any good to bury that talent where someone would have seen it. He went just far enough to be out of sight and out of mind. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Don't let, don't sell yourself short and just, I'm just good being on the outskirts and out of sight and out of mind. You don't even have to bury it. But some of us do the, at times, all of us, just want to be tucked to the back. Don't use me, God. Just let me be. Just out of reach. Just far enough away. Can't use this, God. We allow ourselves. You can fill in the blanks. You know yourself so much better than I do. You can't use this. This is not of value. This is not of worth. We can fill this in with the, any of our inadequacies that we ever feel any of our excuses that we would ever have or present to Jesus. Don't sell yourself short. It, regardless of the situation, get moving. Just move a little bit. Keep moving. Get moving forward. Stay in the Word. Get back into prayer a little bit. Start warring for it a little bit. Push yourself a little bit. Don't let yourself... Oh. Don't let yourself, I don't even know how to say it. Don't let yourself put yourself just out of reach and just out of sight and out of mind. What did he do just out of sight and out of mind? Yeah, the Bible says he buried it, but I'll remind you, Jesus has already got the concept going. And I think we could look back perhaps a little bit earlier in the chapter. And I would say, well, actually, let's read it. Verse 19. After a long time, the Lord of the servants cometh. So if I'm right in that he went just far enough to be out of sight and out of mind, the next question would be, what did he do for that after a long time, that extended period of time? Any thoughts? Jesus is already setting the stage. He's already talking 
about the bridegroom. Chapter five, uh, verse five tells us that while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. We know this man was not industrious and so setting himself just out of reach, out of sight and out of mind, unused, I think we could say he took a nice long siesta and did nothing. Oh, days go by so fast. Weeks go by so fast. Years go by so fast. Am I right, Brother Lauersdorf? I feel like I blinked like three times. It seems like just yesterday we were running up and down the basketball court. Hiding out in class. In the baptismal room. <laughs> or maybe above Pastor Kylie's office. If we really wanted to get away in that crawl space. <laughs> I feel like I've blinked two or three times. I don't want to blink again. <laughs> it's halfway over for me. <laughs> I'm halfway there. I've crested the hill, as they say. You don't have time. You don't have time. Don't let yourself stay in that position. God has a calling and a gift for each and every one of us. All three, 100% of these servants was given a talent and a gift. God has given you something. God has given you something powerful, miraculous. Don't let yourself tuck yourself away. You'll find yourself waking up and years have gone by. Hmm. And so... Verse 20, when he had received the five talents, he that received the five came back, brought the five talents. We'll just go to verse 21 for the sake of time. And the Lord said unto him, after he's taken his gift, his talent, he's doubled it. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. And I love this. Because once again, it just kind of reminds me of what we read in Hebrews chapter 12 and what we, the second song that we sang tonight Enter into the joy of the Lord. His joy. Do you realize it was his gift, his talent, absolutely was tied to his joy accessible for you? What the servant did with the talent, what the servant did with the gifting, it resulted in, it was God's gifts, gift to begin with, enter into my joy. God's joy is pretty good. I, I felt some things that are my joy. Perhaps you have too. They, they're pretty temporal. They come and they go, kind of like dust in the wind. Get that new toy or whatever it may be. Ah. Oh. It's only new for so long. And then you realize, oh man, all this just owns me. And it's true. We see it again in verse 23, same thing. The second service, thou has been faithful. The exact same words. Thou has been faithful in a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. 
and we have to get this right here. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown. Oh, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not scattered seed. I was afraid and I went and hid thy talent in the earth. And, and, and this, this almighty, this almost breaks my heart. Can, can you feel it? Can you see it? Here, take your talent back. It's right there. It's, he might as well be saying, I didn't want it, I don't want it. Here you go. That's not you and that's not me. Because there's a great many giftings and there's a great many callings all across this building. And what you do with it makes all the difference in the world. Hmm. So what is God's currency here? You can say, well, his money was talents. That was the example. God's, God's currency here is opportunity. And I got to ask you the question. Not, not, not to condemn but to encourage, I got to ask you the question. What are you giving God to work with? I'll give the example. I got, I got the call. I got the call earlier in the week, the call that none of us ministers ever want to hear. Brother Rob, help me. Help me. I left God. I, I got just far enough away. I, I thought I would be okay just being out of reach, out of sight, and out of mind. Help me. What do I do? I'm losing my wife. I'm losing my family. I'm back doing the things I wasn't supposed to do. I'm back doing the things God had delivered me from. And I almost feel hopeless in that moment. Because I told you, I walked through this with you the first time. And you got to keep walking. You can't afford to stop. You've got to keep moving. You've got to use those gifts for God. Don't let yourself get out there in the fringes. Don't let yourself get out of sight and out of mind. Why? Because, yes, those idle hands. Oh. And... All you had to do was keep running after Jesus and use the gifts he put in your hands. We can start all over, but we got a, that much longer of a way to go. To say the same exact things. Here's the principles of God's word. This is what we have to do. And now wait for the choice. What are you going to do? I've said it before. Ha. Ah. Hmm. Standing out on the fringes. We'll end up going further than we ever plan on going. It'll keep us longer than we ever plan on staying. It'll cost us more than we ever plan on paying. It's true. So, that's not you and that's not me. The gift is of God. The power is in that gift. 
and it's in submission. Opportunity, what are you giving God to work with? And that was my response. Listen, friend of mine, you just gotta give God something to work with. You gotta give something, God something to work with. God has given you, God has given you what you need, but you have to give something back. Two of the servants did. One of them did not. It cost him everything. Amen. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. First Corinthians chapter 6 is kind of a, a brutal chapter. We're not going to go through it, but the Corinthian church was messed up. It was messed up big time. The, the chapter starts out, don't be taking each other to law and suing one another. And it ends in, don't be committing fornication and adultery and, and all these perversions. They were wrapped up in debauchery. But right here in the middle, we'll focus right here in the middle. Verse 11. Now, let's start with verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, or drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And here you go. And such were some of you. Ha <laughs> ha. Such were some of you. But God saved us. Such were some of you, and such were, such were I, or was I. But ha, God stepped in. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. But he doesn't stop there. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not acceptable. All things are lawful for me, says it twice, to emphasize but I will, here you go, but I will not, I will not be brought under the power of any. You realize what he's saying. You've been given power as one of your gifts. You've been given dunamis power. It's called the Holy Ghost. It's true. And what Paul's saying is, you need to make a decision and a choice. I will not be the man I once was. I will not, oh, I will not hunker off to the sidelines. I will not put myself just out of arm's reach. I will not put myself just out of sight and out of mind. I'm telling you something. God has given you a gift. God has given you a call and God has empowered you. And it don't matter how you feel. You just need to make the determination in your mind. And I'm not gonna be, I will not allow myself Ha, to be what I once was. I will not allow myself to go ahead and be uh, dictated and determined by my feelings of my heart. Yes, there will be moments and times when I'll have to play the role even when I don't feel like it. But in those moments, I will not be subject to what I once was. There's power in it. Ha. I will not be brought under the power of any. You do realize in the garden Adam and Eve had dominion over everything. God created it, and then basically he said, I created it, you have dominion over it. 
So you realize when you've been born again, when he reached through, when he reached back through Calvary, and when he redeemed us and purchased us, he restored that dominion, and that's exactly what Paul was saying. You have the power within you to determine it's true. You have the authority within you. Problem is, we got to stay submitted. <laughs> we got to stay submitted. And I'm telling you, if we'll submit ourselves to the word, even the word that's being spoken right here, right now, you are powerful. And you have a gift. And you just got to continue ah, to offer it back to God. Amen. Jumping down to verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have not, which ye have not of God, and ye are not your own. I feel like I botched that. Let's read it again. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. And we already know that because last week we talked about the unworthy servant. So we know we're not our own. We're his. Why? For ye are bought with a price. He paid that price on Calvary. We read of it in Hebrews. The joy of the cross. God seeing, oh, what's holding them there? Oh, because I am giving them power to get saved, stay saved, and help save someone else. It's in you. It's in you. Hmm. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So in your body and in your spirit, make that determination and I will not be brought under the power of any. John chapter 6. So what's up with the, the subtle prerequisites? You ready for this? Subtle prerequisites. And I'll read it again. The prerequisite is something that is necessary to an end or to the carrying out of a function. What I'm speaking of is a spiritual kingdom principle. And if we'll walk in this, hmm, it will be a prerequisite. So here we have John chapter 6, starting with verse 1. And, and, and after these things, Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee, which is in the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on, on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When, when Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he said unto Philip, when shall we buy bread that these may eat? How many people are we talking about here? 5,000 plus. It's the men that are numbered at 5,000. Plus women and children. Say that, 5,000. If we had 5,000 people show up here in our parking lot, Brother Z, do we have enough food in our food pantry to feed them? <laughs> But we got a decent amount of stuff in our food pantry, don't we? Yeah, we do. 5,000 plus is a lot of people. Right? It's a great need. 
Does everyone agree? It's a great need. That would be a great need. You can see Pastor Coral sweating already. <laughs> How are we going to feed these? <laughs> it's a great need. <laughs> and I love this. Philip, when shall we buy bread that these may eat? Now, now here we go. Watch this. Verse 6. And this he said to prove him. Why? <laughs> For he knew what he would do. God knew what he was going to do. He asked the question to prove Philip. He asked the question to prove the disciples. <laughs> I can just see them starting to sweat. Because they don't have a food pantry. They don't have hardly anything to start with. Next to nothing. It, what they had to start with was so minuscule. I don't even know how they found it. Amongst 5,000 people plus. They probably started with the men. 5,000 questions later, they still haven't found what they need. It has to go then, I would imagine, to the women next. They, maybe they would have started with the women. Looking for food in my house, start with Miranda. So let's flip it. They start with the women first. And the women don't have anything to eat. Well, we got some good cooks in our church. My brother's pretty good at cooking some meat. Let's go to the men. 5,000 questions later, they don't have the answer. Well, I guess we could go to the children. And then what do we see? Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. 5,000 men alone. Brother Z, you've got more than five barley loaves and two small fishes, don't you? What's the question, or what's the statement? But what are they among so many? If you'll have an ear to hear, oh Jesus, touch our hearts right now. If ever there was a need that had an answer that was so minuscule, so impossible, I know in this place right here today, I know a great many of us would be able to say, wait a second, I that, that's really nice what you're speaking, Brother Rob, but you don't know. You don't understand. I, I'm not worthy enough. I'm not good enough. This need, how could you get a greater need with so little? I, I don't even know how it happened. How could it be that 5,000 men plus women and most of the children come to this place completely unprepared. How was it that one little boy, one little boy out of perhaps 10,000 people, one little boy is prepared. But it's not, oh, Jesus, come on, look at this. This is, okay, yeah, just imagine how much of that you're going to get. Huh. I don't care how great 
the miracle looks like it needs to be. The gift that God's given is more than enough. I don't care how big, how big and unsurmountable the problem or the need may be. God's gift is more than enough. Someone, perhaps mom. Hey, Junior, no, you're not leaving yet. You get back over here. You're not going outside empty-handed. You need to take something with you. I know your patterns, and you're not going to be home all day. You need to take some food with you. Somebody prepared a little bit of something. Think of it. 10,000 people. And all it took was somebody with a little bit of prerequisite. It don't matter how little the gift, it's more than enough. It don't matter how insignificant your gift may feel, it is more than enough. Because it's from God. And so what such a tiny, minuscule, next to nothing, subtle prerequisite. Ah, Jesus took those two loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them. Can you imagine, even in the process, okay, so Jesus is at the head of all this, breaking off a little bit, giving a little bit. Even at that, really, Jesus, there's 10,000 people out there, and it's pretty cool what you're doing, um, but this is only going to get to, like, the fringe borders before we even get to the middle of this problem. But they were willing to take the gift God was giving. And it went on and on and on and on. We see this in Scripture you do realize these things happen for our example. This is still real today. You take what God's given you, and it's going to go on and on and on and on. Oh, Jesus. I got to close, because I could go all night. He distributed the disciples, the disciples to them that were Sat, sat down and likewise of the fishes as much as they would when they were filled. <sighs> he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments hmm, of the five barley loaves which remained over and above, over and above unto them that had eaten. It's a kingdom principle. Keep giving. Just keep giving. If you're not giving, start giving. Take that talent and just start giving. Start letting God use it. It will go. It will go. It will keep going. It will keep going. I don't know why I'm thinking of the Energizer Bunny, but it's going to keep going. It's going to keep going. And it will fill you to overflow, overflowing Ah, it's what I see in the word. Uh, Sister Angela, would you like to play?
I'll remind you. We see this more times in Scripture. What was done, and, and I'll give you the other side. I like to give you the other side too. Back way back in Genesis chapter twenty-four, we won't turn there, but if you'll stand, Genesis chapter twenty-four, verses fifty-nine and sixty, we see something happen in Scripture where Abraham sends his servant out to find a, a bride for Isaac. Comes across Rebecca, and there's a portion in Scripture there. Right there in 59 and 60 where the servant is wanting to get back. He's desperate to get back. And, and so he just lays it on the line. Will you come with me? He says to Rebecca. Rebecca doesn't know him. Rebecca doesn't know what's before. But there was something that was moving her. I, I think it was the spirit of God. But right there in 59 and 60... Rebecca's brother Laban and his mother do something that is just incredible to me. They speak a word of faith and yet they're Gentiles. They're not of the children of promise. They're not even related. They're not Abraham's seed. And yet they prophesy and they speak into Rebecca's lives. And you go and read it, and they, 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 they speak it. Go and be blessed. Be the mother of tens of thousands. And on and on. You know what they were doing? Nah, they were giving God something to use. You know what they were doing? They were putting in motion a, a subtle prerequisite. It don't take much. God doesn't need much. I'm reminded also, Joshua chapter 2, of a woman who, once again, she's not an Israelite. Matter of fact, she's destined to die. She's desperate to be wiped out, to be annihilated, if you will. And yet she took something and gave it to God, and she writes herself into the lineage of Jesus. What did Rahab do? She gave God just a little bit of something to work with. What did, what did Rahab do? Ah. I'd say she just put forth a little subtle prerequisite. And I'm reminded of the woman with the issue of blood. Ah. Had nothing, nothing left. Completely destitute, broke. And yet, she just gave God something to work with, and it was called faith. Woman, thy faith has made thee whole. So in Jesus' name, I believe this to the bottom of my heart, because it's the word of God. Just give God a little something, something to work with. God's going to bless it, increase it, in Jesus' name. Just a little subtle. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 
965-5177 or email us at info at AbundantLifeChurch.org.